This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. All right, welcome back to the CW Spiral, everybody. Today is different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For the first time ever, our fearless leader, Sabrina, is not present with us, but that's okay. We will continue on without her, Michael and I are caught up on Riverdale. So Sabrina, if you're listening, and I know you are, you can, you can, yeah, you don't have to be present for this one. I know you're like (laughs) excited. Uh, But we are excited to talk about Riverdale and do a little temperature check of the final season because it's been months since we talked about it, Michael. (laughs) Very much so. Um, I remember when we did the premiere, I think we had three episodes for screeners um, and I was really excited at the direction the series was going on. And you know what? It's been months and I'm kind of happy to report that I'm still happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like this season. I like it too. I mean, there's definitely, and we'll get into it. There's things that were unexpected uh, that maybe I was expecting something different from, but I think the vibe for me has been the way I described it to you and Sabrina, because I was, I've been keeping up with it. I've explained it as boring. Stay with me, everybody, (laughs) but not completely unpleasant. Like it's been a good change of pace to have episodes that are like, you're just living with the characters instead of like, just like bonkers off the walls, things happening. And you're like, what is going on? And that's still like, that's Riverdale in a nutshell is like, what is this show? But it's, I don't know. The tone has just kind of been like leveled this season to where things aren't really, I don't want to say things aren't happening, but like sometimes in an episode, it's not like crazy plot twists. It's just like, I don't know. Do you agree that it's kind of like boring, but not a completely unpleasant? <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that's a good way of putting it because I don't think this could have come at a better time. One of my biggest gripes with season six was that the stakes were so high and yet kind of meaningless. Too much was happening on the show for it to mean anything to the characters. Whereas this time the stakes are quite low. Of course, if you if you ignore the whole time travel malarkey and all of that stuff. Which the show has. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why it's working out the best. We did say in the premiere that the only time the episode started to fall apart was when they had Tabitha try to explain the timelines and stuff. Yeah. And for, for the most part, they've kind of steered clear of that. So it does feel like starting again and seven seasons in, that's a little bit of a smoke and mirrors kind of magic trick just to clean the slate. But I think if there was one show that was in desperate need of it, it was this one because for a show that's so outlandish and exciting and off the wall and unpredictable, season six was kind of boring, not in the good way. All this stuff was happening and we didn't care about it. All this crazy stuff was happening and it didn't mean anything to the characters. Whereas now there's less happening. It carries less stakes in general. This is not the end of the world uh, by a comet or anything of the sort. There's no supernatural powers, but it might it might mean less as far as the uh, supernatural elements go, as far as the world ending elements go, but it means a lot more to the characters. And I think that's why it's more meaningful to us to watch. The general stakes are lower, but the stakes to the characters are higher. So it's a much more enjoyable watch. Yes, these actors are much older than the first time they played played teenagers, but you still feel like you're watching these teenagers go through all these uh, 
uh, kind of emotional roller coasters of emotions that teenagers do. And I think that's very important. We love teen dramas. Riverdale started as a teen drama, and I think it started going downhill when it moved away from that. Whereas now you have genuine teen drama, plus the added bonus of that kind of bend towards justice arc that's kind of subtle. They're doing it without bashing you over the head with that in the way that they did with the whole, um, whatever that man's name was from the alternate dimension last season. There's, there's just no Percival Pickens. I knew it would come. No, I was like thinking about it. I was like, what was that man's name? That annoying I almost man. said Edgar Abernaver. I was like, no, nope, that's the wrong season. But like, we don't have a like person villain this time. Of course, we have the uh, the principal and yeah. the doctor, and like the, they're odious and we don't like them. But there's themes they're battling. They're battling more important things, and I think it's handled much, much better. And that's made for a much more enjoyable season for me. I do want to say, put an asterisk on what I said before. If I, I mean, just in case anybody, maybe somebody like clicked out and they heard me say it was boring and they're like, oh my God, he said it was boring. Boring is a compliment for this season, yeah. I think. <laughs> Let's just get that out there. Like everything you just said, like it, this season is very much a victory lap, I think, um, for this show. And it's underscored just how like themed each season has been themed as it within genre themed within themes and messages and i i once we saw that this was happening at the end of season six we were like oh okay this is ambitious and i think even though it has kind of like leveled out um it's continuing to be one of the most ambitious seasons in my opinion even though it's not like flashy or anything the 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 themes they're exploring like sexuality and especially in this time period and like things that are happening in the culture I think it's kind of the same as what we've seen in the past six seasons in terms of like sexuality and race and things that this show has in various uh just to various uh success (laughs) I'll say um they've you know that this isn't new terrain for them but in this time period in seeing how these characters are the same but different it's like to me it's like so ambitious the way they've really just like put everybody in a jar and shaken it up we've seen so many different combos we've seen so many different ways that these characters are expressing themselves and like you said the bend toward justice that motto has been a little bit more subtle like they really in the beginning it seemed like it was going to be like a a thing and it's been like you said more subtle whereas like Betty is rejecting you know the gender dynamics of the 50s she's like I can be a woman in a different way I can express myself and not feel shame about it and I think that's an important uh way to bend towards justice too and whether this amounts to them, which I don't think that it will, because we've heard that they don't leave the 50s. And I think that's been disappointing to a lot of people. And it's been something that's been in the back of my mind up until the last like few episodes. I've kind of just been like, whatever, I'm here. Um, that was kind of something that I think we talked about in the beginning, which is like, oh, OK, so they're going to bend towards justice each episode. They're kind of going to like retaliate, push back against these societal norms in the 1950s and sort of like I don't know break back into the 2020s doesn't seem like that's what's happening but it's still fun regardless to see this show um you know 
go where I don't think anybody would ever expected the 1950s to go. <laughs> mm. I know what you mean. And it, I know that one of the fans' gripes were kind of that it looks like it's directionless. But like I said already, I think that was the important thing with Riverdale. We do know there is a subtle direction it's moving in. It's deciding to, I was going to say, stay in the present, but technically that's not true. Stay in the past and focus on these storylines. And I think that's an important thing to do because this show has never had any problem like raising awareness about things or discussing topics. And I think setting it in a time period like this surrounds it in an environment where it can do so more often. And you do see even in the like quieter episodes or the more fun episodes, there's definitely some important lessons woven in there. And I think it's one of the show's more subtle attempts to do it. And I think in a time like this, of course, any kind of important movement was going to take a long time. So I do think it makes sense that the show has taken its time with the storyline. But I know what you mean. It's lovely getting to see each of the characters stand up for something important and raise awareness about things because the 50s is such an important time for that. And of course, like I said, Riverdale's done that many, many times before, but it kind of carries extra weight when they're trying to fight for those kinds of freedoms mm -hmm. that they don't have. And you definitely see that with Betty trying to break free from a society of repression and suppression. And of course, with Ed, they keep using the words the disenfranchised teens, anyone who would have been considered an outcast in that time as well. I think it's important to raise awareness like that. But it also, I think it's also important to show all the characters who they are fundamentally. Yeah, they are different versions of them. Can we call it set in the past if it's not really their past? Because not to get into timeline mumbo jumbo if they were in the past they'd be destroying their own future how do these characters and their um lineages and their family trees all suddenly end up 50 years prior and not be each other's parents we've seen riverdale go into the 80s before and all the cast plays the parents but the parents also exist in the 50s so this must be some kind of alternate timeline where they can kind of see what happens if we take characters and put them in a different environment mm. and i think that's working but i do understand the big gripe of the season that is yes we love seeing jughead go golly gee and archie go oh shucks and stuff like that but they're not the same versions of the characters that we got attached to so can the show end without that could this be something you see in like at the end of crisis on infinite earths for the arrowverse it, it quickly looked at all the different earths and showed all those other characters wrap up their storylines but the difference is this is not like crisis where all those other characters were cameos these are the actual versions of the characters that we fell in love with are they only going to get a footnote at the end of the season? And it would be strange to only show us them get their happy endings when the last time we saw them, they were about to be obliterated by a comet. So I do understand the juggle there. But I have to say, I've really gotten attached to these new versions of the characters as well. I think they've done a better job exploring their characters and who they are. There are some dynamics I would have liked to have seen more of because they're trying so much different, so many different things. That we're running out of time to maybe bring back some of the normal the balance could be maybe a little bit better and i'm sure we'll get into that but yeah i really do like the new character new versions of the characters i think this has been a great opportunity for them to try something different and to feel fresh having seasons in on a show that kind of went stale too quickly that is an impressive in and of itself so i'm still with it i love it and for all of the the jokes on social media that like oh the cast is so over it they seemed like they were having the time of their lives for the majority of the season. <laughs> no yep. shade, no shade intended. But I mean, it's a lengthy final season, I will say. 20 episodes is a lot, um, especially to be in the 50s. Like, it's a big commitment. But they, I, I think they just like, I think commitment is like a big 
word to describe the season. Like they committed to the storyline, they committed to this aesthetic. And I think the cast committed like one final hurrah. And just to see like KJ and Lily, I think especially were standouts for me throughout the season. Just like make it, KJ made so much dialogue work that should not yeah. work. <laughs> Like the like you know, like the aw shucks and some of the like they threw so much at Archie that's just like cringy fifty dialogue, but or fifties dialogue, and he just makes it work so well because he understands comedy and mm-hmm. um Archie didn't really get to do much comedy intentionally. Mm-hmm. He's always been the one that we laugh at because he's, you know. Oh, Archie, he makes interesting choices. But like it's always been like Cheryl's been the comedy one and they gave Lily a lot of comedy in her dialogue that was subtle. Um, but to see the lightness in Archie, I think, is stayed true. I know I said that early on, like to see a lighter version of Archie has been really refreshing. Um although he has gotten more complicated which is a similar path to season one where he's conflicted between music and football (laughs) the iconic line and now it's poetry and basketball which is similar but different um which is why i kind of thought like they're making a point that these characters would end up on the same path like cheryl and tony find each other again um with other parallels like the betty archie veronica situation kevin his whole deal about coming out and everything and i thought this was kind of like the point the show was making and i think it was a prediction i had early on is that like oh they would all end up back to where they were and it would like click in and they would like remember who they were and why they're not where they're supposed to be but but i don't know if that's if that's better or worse you know like i don't Mm -hmm. i think what's also been a joy of the season is that it's unpredictable which i think has always been something you can never predict what riverdale is going to do from one episode to the next but the season especially like i have no idea what they're doing and that's um fun slightly concerning four episodes away from the series finale but it is kind of refreshing to wa- be watching a final season. And usually, generally, you can see, like, the path to, like, the curtains closing. And mm-hmm. I'm, like, I lost the map. It's too dark. I can't see ahead. I'm, like, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a it's fun. And, again, slightly worrisome that I don't know where we're going <laughs> four episodes out. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting spin on things. Like, I agree. I thought they were going to slot back into place at some point, but it's also that thing. I'm going to keep making parallels here to the Arrowverse. It's also that thing of when there's somebody on a different Earth. Or in Superman at Lois, when Ali Alston wanted to merge the worlds, they were like, okay, well, I'm going to merge with my doppelganger. But what if I'm not on that Earth? What happens to me then if there's only one of me and not two of me? Like, so for example, there's no play in the present. What happens if that, how do we get, there uh, you know what i mean there's no play there we know that characters are playing different versions of themselves or different characters altogether like the actor i think who played the warden in the prison in archie season three storyline is now the principal um and uh dr werther's he was the principal at Stonewall, wasn't he? Or he was a teacher at Stonewall. So they've definitely got the actors back to play different versions. Just every bit is antagonistic. But you're like, 
this been a nice little tribute to the season or the the past show uh, seasons and so if the worlds merge or if we somehow bend towards the same kind of just as we were heading towards in the present what happens to those characters that have become such a part of this season but aren't such a part of the show if you know what i mean um I agree. The character, some of the characters' journeys are starting to mirror what they went through. Archie, in particular, and I have to say, it's been a joy. There's been no bigger Archie critic than me because he was set up to be the kind of like center point of the first season, and the show was just said, you know what? This week we're going to have Archie be a boxer. This week we're going to have him be a hardened prisoner. This week we're going to have him be a singer. This week we're going to have him be an athlete. The kind There's of been no ball. bigger Archie defender than me either. I stand by my man. <laughs> <laughs> yes i know and i understand that and he's 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 a joy to watch and something heavily criticized but none of it really made sense i don't think a lot of the writing for archie really did him justice i do think yeah. he was one of the characters to benefit more from the time jump because he had a consistent arc after that but aside from that now we have archie being inherently archie every week and it's just it's a joy to watch he just gets to be such a, a fun loving kind good person and you've seen him stand up against a lot of the uh, backwards attitudes of the 50s which of course weren't considered backwards back then and it's been lovely to see because he's not one of the ones directly impacted by it until now and he's starting to write and they're like maybe you should be more focused towards being an athlete so it's been <laughs> lovely to see that and you're like Archie is a good person. And I think a lot of the re previous seasons kind of struggled and dropped the ball with that. This is highlighting it. This feels like Archie comics come to life. And I do love the kind of like subversion they're doing. Yes, they are playing into the whole triple threat, Archie, Betty and Veronica storyline. He doesn't know who he's going to end up with. They don't know who they're going to end up with, but they've also added a much needed dash of feminism to it. As we saw in the musical episode, when Betty and Veronica said to Kevin, is that all you see is ass? These like fun loving girls obsessed with this one boy. And in that episode, they couldn't have cared less about Archie because yeah. they did that beautiful <laughs> performance of the universe inside, which by the way, was an incredible song. Um, and they saw each other. So you're like, you know, our introduction says Barchi versus Bughead, but like, Reed, could we have found some common ground in Veronica? Because like, <laughs> I'm in this. I did not see this one coming. No. We were like, Bughead will be canon. And um, they kind and, of are. We, yeah, they're going back <laughs> around. But you know what? This is the beauty of this. We're getting some great dynamics. And Betty and Veronica has definitely been one of them. I really have to say that. Yeah, it's been nice to see them. And I think, I don't know if this is a conversation we've had um, privately or if we had this in, the, I don't think we had this. In the, we talked about literally two episodes and I don't think this dynamic popped up, but getting to see Lily and Camila act together again, because I feel like they'd been so separated at storyline wise, like they'd have like whatever Veronica was up to with like her pawn shop or something. Didn't she have a pawn shop? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> she had like Reggie being her like I don't know what he was up to either. But and then Betty, she had her FBI vision situation in season six. So they were unless it was like group scenes, they weren't acting together. And we know that they have amazing chemistry as friends off screen and on screen previously. So it's nice to see them back together even with a romantic twist it's been interesting um but that scene you referenced too when archie comes up to them and he's like i think i'm gonna focus on do you say myself or his poetry or something and they've looked at him like okay <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you for making that announcement we didn't care about um i lost my train of thought but 
yeah, I liked seeing them together. Although some of the, I don't know. We've talked a lot about what we did. Like we've alluded to what we didn't like. So I'm going to get into some like lows of the season so far. of like things that are not serious. Like I don't, I don't care, but like things that made me go, hmm, interesting. Um, the way they had Betty just like thirsty for every single person in the cast was a little confusing sometimes because it felt like so many episodes was just so deeply steeped in Betty's sexuality, which isn't a bad storyline. Like it's interesting because if there's going to be a character to explore repression and it's definitely Betty because that's something I think she dealt with in the actual series with mm -hmm. her parents being who her parents are and the expectations of who she was. Um, but like, there are so many episodes where she's just, just so, for lack of a better word, horny for everybody. <laughs> it was like, what, what are, who, I didn't know where to place, not just like shipping wise, but like, what are we, I, I didn't, sometimes I was wondering what the point was of some of the like that one episode where she had the daydream where she was kissing everybody on the main cast mm -hmm. um some of it felt a little heavy-handed not entirely like i keep like i have to keep saying like even with being frustrated with it not entirely unworn like it was fun <laughs> but also kind of like what are we doing mm -hmm. where are we going <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. And I wonder if that's maybe just to go back to like the fact that they're playing with more dynamics, trying to get all those yeah. fan fantasies out of the way so they can like kind of take every box and say, look, we finally did that or look, we finally did that. And of course, a situation like that's probably an ideal version to make it happen. But I do, I agree with you. I kind of feel like they keep putting that storyline down and then picking it back up, which is exactly how real life works. That's nice to say. Yeah, but We're kind of used to a show like this going all in on it in one episode and then moving on from it very very quickly and uh, betty keeps getting heavy episodes devoted to this in between episodes that aren't so obviously this is going to turn out to be her overarching storyline and her method of bending towards justice her method of being able to stand up and be proud of what she feels what she desires so i do see where that's going but i know what you mean it's kind of harder to follow because they keep putting it down and picking it back up and then when they do pick it back up there is the like that fantasy sequence you talked about of course we also know was it the third episode there was also a one that heavily leaned into those desires as well not just for betty but for everyone so it does feel like when they take a break from it, that's fine. But when they go in on it, they go all in on it. So it's a yeah. bit jarring from time to time. But it does it does kind of seem like that might be her storyline. And I, I agree. I still kind of don't know where it's going. I do think the most recent episode kind of leaned into it again. Um, and that's kind of maybe where Polly came in. Which, by the way, we're talking about how the 50s is handling characters far better than the main timeline. Polly is definitely one of them. That show had no idea what to do with that character when they finally killed her off in season five. I was like, oh, that's disappointing. That's right. They killed her. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? And then so violently, too. That woman was nothing more than a plot device. And it was just to... like so casual, if I so, recall. Yeah. Like, it just like happened off screen. <laughs> <laughs> not that's that I wanted to, not that I wanted to see it, but it just like like we learned about it in dialogue, which is interesting choices. Yeah. 
And I think that's the frustration with characters like Polly, who always got left out. She moved where the plot needed her to. And if they could write that instead of having to show it, that's exactly what they do. So when she just became the victim, so because she like walked off and ignored all the good advice, Polly ignores people. That was really, really frustrating. And then in season six, they brought her back because she walked out of the furnace alive and well when someone resurrected someone. Um, uh, God, that was such a weird season. Remember, didn't Cheryl resurrect all the dead? And then Jason finally came back and said his yeah. first word, and oh then he combusted. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I put season six in my mind, but <laughs> it was deep in there. <laughs> and, and then when Polly finally came back, she had like all this wisdom that she didn't have before. But like, that's why I think this is a good opportunity. There's a lot of things that show kind of bundled throughout its run, and I think Polly is one of them. Um, So it was nice to finally get to see her own who she is be proud of who she is i thought if we learn if we if we do go back to the main timeline i hope these characters get to take some of what they learned and who they were in this one with them because that paul that was what polly deserved that the characters never had any kind of justice justice done for and now in one episode the writing team literally bent towards justice to give polly a storyline and i think it played hand in hand with what betty wanted because the two of them claimed to be so close in the main timeline and yet always bickered always argued remember when polly needed they needed polly to be a part member of the farm just because betty was against the farm and it was the same old same old as usual this this was a polly i'd like to see more of i thought was they did polly so well. sent to the sisters of quiet mercy when she was pregnant is that I where she so. was i think so because i think i remember she might have been the first person we saw wearing that uniform with the red cardigan um Wait, so Juniper and Dagwood don't exist in the 50s. Interesting. Oh, right? that's a good point. Yeah, I just thought That's that. a good point. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I really, yeah, I like to see Polly have autonomy over not just herself, but her sexuality owning who she is, because that's not something that she was afforded in 2017. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that's just not something that she was allowed to do, again, because of, Alice is really, you know, she became a queen at some point, but she really, not far off from the 50s of who she <laughs> actually is. That is still inside of her as much as like she like became, I think, I feel like a turning point is when, remember when they killed that person in the house and they all had to yeah. like bury the body? I feel like that was a turning point for Alice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think some of my issues with some of the storylines are just like on a narrative level. Like I, like, don't get me wrong. I do love all of the Betty sexuality stuff because I think it's an important story to tell. Um, It's just like the narrative, like, where are we, where are we, what are we doing? Um, So like, I do love the, I think, again, it's important to see Betty's exploration of, I guess, um, I don't want to label her because I don't think she has but like bisexuality like exploring that for betty we've seen that with tony and fangs um but i think it's important for betty and in this episode she's again like she's been rebelling so much and pushing back against alice especially in the the teen it wasn't the teen miss teen riverdale it was a few episodes before when she was on that live american bandstand oh yeah rip off where she like showed her underwear on live television and alice was, was that the one where alice was like you're not my daughter anymore or was that before that i think that might have been was before that the, after i think that's that might have been the pushing point for alice because alice had too much there then and then she completely pulled back yeah and then betty is continuing now she's like she's seeing 
her sister like in command of her own choices her own body and Betty's like I can I should do that like why am I being told what books to read and like how to act and who to love so like that's so interesting and a great important topic of discussion I just want to know the greater you know span of what this means Mm -hmm. another gripe I have I guess I should get into the one that's connected most to this and then I can get into like the I think one of the biggest gripes with the overarching storyline but in the most recent episode and I know this really got into some tricky territory with fans myself included kind of I don't want to say kind of anyway let me just say it the Archie and Reggie friendship was interesting because I was like, I think it was the musical episode when Archie was singing his like Troy Bolton bet on it song. <laughs> and he's like conflicted about poetry and basketball. And he's looking at Reggie for basketball. And then he looks at, was it, it wasn't Jughead, was it? He looks at another, another boy. I think it, it might have been. Never. And we're kind of like, oh is this like deeper than poetry and basketball? Like, is he also conflicted with like his own sexuality? And then it seems like in the episode 16, um, when he and Reggie are watching the stag film, that's the episode title. I have no idea the history of that word. I should have Mm -hmm. Googled it before to see if it was appropriate to say outside of the context of Riverdale. But they're watching this movie that is a uh, same-sex wrestling video that they have heard Clay and Kevin have watched. And they're kind of into it. And they're feeling things with each other. And then it, it just feels like queer baiting in a in a sense. Like they were, It seemed like they were building to something with Archie and Reggie. And then the end of the episode which is what has a lot of fans like understandably upset is because they did this in season one with Archie and Grundy they had Archie and Reggie who are teenagers is it senior year I meant to ask this is it senior year for them I don't think it is because in Archie the musical Kevin portrayed them all as seniors and they were like why are we seniors okay that's what confused me because I forgot about the their them saying that um so yeah then they would be minors and they go to an older woman and it's like i want to know what went into that decision like what are we taking away from it other than what's at face value like that storyline was very much confusing to me i'll just say it like it was kind of a like ugh. it it went to a darker place than i expected it to when it seemed like I wouldn't have minded, just based on what we've seen in the season, I wouldn't have minded Archie and Reggie somehow exploring something because it seemed like that's where it was going. And then they have them completely ignoring that and choosing to do that, which I guess wouldn't be far off with something that would happen in the 50s. I don't know. I wasn't in the 50s. But but yeah, it was just kind of like uh, that. We did that. 
yeah, mm-hmm. I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And I do think there have been quite some questionable decisions, including bringing Miss Grundy back in the first place. I don't know if that's them trying to right some kinds of wrong, but because everything is open and we're talking about the themes of exploration, so much as a look between Archie and Mrs. Grundy, you start reading into that and you're like, we're not doing this again. Please tell me we're not doing this again because you we don't know where any of the storylines are heading. But it did. It does turn out that the 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 themes of exploration that she was talking about that it, this episode was all about that. That kind of came up for everyone at some point. It's because they wanted to express themselves in some high. I know what you mean. I definitely I sensed vibes between Archie and Reggie, and I wouldn't have minded them exploring that. But then, of course. The show obviously portrayed that they were in control of everything the whole time because they made that decision. But I know what you mean. It takes it back into tricky territory because at the end of the day, they may look like 29-year-olds, but they're still portraying teenagers yeah. and it's an older woman. Um, Yeah. And they, they, you see that on screen. You just have to be like, you have to sit with it and you have to be like, okay, what? You have to try to unpack it and see like what the intention was. And sometimes intention doesn't lead to the context like it's just the i don't know maybe we'll find out next week we probably won't but i I don't know that was a that was a one of the first letdowns in a while for me Mm -hmm. in this season but i will say one of the other ones is like i feel like tabitha has not been present and we don't have our version of tabitha we've had the 50s version of tabitha who doesn't have her memories which Mm -hmm. is in and of itself confusing but like i guess it makes sense that present day tabitha who's you know traveling dimensions wouldn't be present because no one jughead doesn't remember her but i wonder if she is gonna make a comeback i just i feel like we could have had a little bit more tabitha because she did seem like she was gonna play such an important role in the season in the beginning and then it that that switcheroo of like oh jughead forgot she's leaving but didn't she say like everybody died and everybody every scenario she went to or was it jughead or something i think so it was one of them situations from that doctor strange meme that you've seen all the versions of the universe and we can only win it in one way and so this is the way we do it we send you all off into a different timeline or whatever very very complicated um, I didn't notice that until she came back that Aaron Westbrook, who plays Tabitha, is only a special guest star this season. Um, <gasps> I so, didn't know that. No. <laughs> so I wonder if that explains why. Um, because I think they're entering confusing territory now because we had a reason for why Tabitha was away. Yeah. Now she's back and she's in this episode, at that episode. And that makes sense. They do that with normal characters all the time. If there's one member of the team missing for one episode, no one bats an eyelid. No one needs to explain it. So that's fine. But she's back now. Her and Jughead are catching feelings for each other. And now Jughead's back with Veronica. Um, So I I feel like they're trying to ride around maybe her absences. I don't know what's going on there. But it, it is a kind of interesting. If we weren't going to have Tabitha being a main point of the story. Why did we need a 50s Tabitha? Is she still going to play a different kind of role? Love the chemistry between her and Jughead. Love that they find each other in this timeline. But yeah. where are they going with it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we have four episodes left and then Riverdale's <laughs> gone forever. <laughs> I'm going to, like, I know we just spent 30 minutes, like, dissecting the final season. I try not to think too much about Riverdale. I'm going to try to remember that. Forget everything I just said. 
<laughs> I think that's why you enjoy it the most. <laughs> yeah, scrub it all away. Let's let's forget that happened. Um, shall we move to Horseshoe Bay? Because I am dying to get to the that they'll reveal at the end of Nancy Drew season four episode nine. But yeah. we'll we'll wait for that <laughs> until yeah. then. We'll build up to it. <laughs> I think I'll kick us off just um by saying comparatively to the past three episodes not as fun as an episode but Mm -hmm. we did get another and these are the kind of episodes that we really appreciated early on in the run those really like heavy episodes that deal with something really important it was uh to steal a phrase that we used a lot during our riverdale review unexpected just based on where we had been with like three fun thematic episodes with like body swaps and the game and the time travel um it was kind of like oh okay we're in it um so we got a lot of information about the sin eater all Mm -hmm. at once and i'm not sure if i connected the dots in every scene (laughs) but i'm with us at the end by the end i'm like i got i i know that not sure i understand the xyz of it all yeah, uh, I hate to say it, I felt exactly the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Good episode, but yeah, a lot of info. Very much so. It kind of reminded me when it started a bit like, Buffy, um, we, we have the mission. We know what we're going to do. Nancy's got her crossbow. We're going to stop the monster. Oh my God, the crossbow moment, the opening Excellent. shot. That was Kat- such a good moment. Katniss Everdeen era. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. And I thought the visuals really set at the stage and the, we have 48 hours to figure this out. But one thing Buffy would have done is I think it would have moved things a little quicker. It wouldn't have felt like we were stuck in the same place for so long. I just thought because we were getting a lot of information, there was a lot of standing around and talking about it. And they said, we have 48 hours to do this. And usually when you have a clock overhead, it means the person's really, really good. We're moving on, we're moving on. But then when they added the 48 hours to the best situation in the court and that she had to come back, we just skipped to that day. And I'm like, if we were just going to skip to that day, why did we spend so long in the first few hours of that day and then spend so long in the last few hours of the end game? I just thought there could have been a bit more middle grinder to make things move a little quicker. And the big problem was the dialogue because we did kind of get over hit over the head with far too much information at once. So much. I, I don't even think I could explain any of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> any of the sin eater stuff i know I'm trying what, to they were like forgot anything they did the mirror thing at the black door mm-hmm. <sighs> sabrina's listening to this and she's so disappointed in us i'm sorry for <laughs> letting you down <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like nick created this device that can counteract an immortal supernatural entity sure yeah, in four I hours. Don't know. I don't um, know. <laughs> he said he created it in four hours. And it looked like one of those like hoovers or vacuums that you just like leave on the floor and goes around and does its own thing. Um and I'm like, this is it's always the whole technology versus the supernatural. Can you beat one with the other? But yeah, that did I, that didn't hold up for me. So I was like, did I miss something in the last few episodes? I and then this I did best. love though the Nick and Nancy dynamic. Love that episode. Like that was a fun pair up. Um, although I was kind of like, not that I didn't like it, but I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Cause we were planted with them together in the woods 
And I was like, wait, why did we get an explanation for why they were paired for so much of the episode? Again, I'm not complaining. Like I enjoyed it. I was just confused with the reasoning. Um, I'm sure someone will say why they were paired, but um, again, I liked it. I was just like, okay, that's fine. And Ace was so secluded the whole time, just having a day in that morgue, <laughs> just a rough time. And I was like, this would have been uh, just based on something we talked about last week of him saying he's been trying to keep his distance. I was like, if they had placed this before that conversation, it would have made a little bit more sense because he did not interact with anybody in that episode. And it was something funny that I thought of, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I'm watching this. He's not interacted with anybody just going through it in this morgue. It would have been a better, uh, explanation for him trying to stay away from nancy because he very much was <laughs> yeah a little bit of irony <laughs> and that is the funny thing i feel like this episode i think its weaknesses were some of its con conveniences because you're right nancy and nick spent a lot of time together and that was of course because they needed george and bass off with the with carson and that uh in the bass's uh, court storyline um and then they were letting s keep his distance with the ghost storyline so it just it felt like and I, I, there are other examples of it that I'll bring up later, but it just, it felt like the, the episode's reason that it was moving so slow was because it was, it was doing, juggling three things at once. And I know every, most episodes have an A, B, C, and C plot, but it just felt like it wasn't juggling them as seamlessly as it usually does. Some of the stories were moving a little quickly and then we jump and they're moving really, really fast. Um, and for having 48 hours to kill the Sin Eater, I know it made sense that at the end, we actually saw the possible death of the Sin Eater but it just felt like very little happened in the lead up to that. Of course, Bess was maybe perhaps her shining star of the episode, but I mean, as far as the main story goes, things were moving a little too slowly for me. Let's talk, let's talk about Bess. And another irony I want to point out, because I, I was laughing in the episode. Last week, we meant, I mentioned uh, Addie in her absence. Mm -hmm. She comes back, and we talked about the glasses not being in the episodes. Yeah. And then they came back and I was like, <laughs> did we summon these characters back? <laughs> or like, were we just feeling it? Like, I feel like we're so in tune with this show where like, once we feel something, the next episode, it comes back. It's just, it cracks me up. Um, uh, Bess's trial also cracked me up because in a town where there's so much seemingly death and crime, her case moved to the court with a quickness <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like what's happening is like the judge have nothing else on her docket that she can focus on this historical society i don't know i thought it was funny but justice for best she didn't deserve anything that happened to her mm -hmm. i i don't i i guess i'm not understanding what she did to get her into court like was it just that episode where they had the like the kids in the historical society was that just the thing I think so, yeah, because wasn't that the episode where we thought, oh, but look, they're going to play best for laughs and she'll let them down in front of this, I forget, I forget the acronym, whatever it is, in front of them. And that's exactly what she did. She didn't back the kids up. It was like, mm -hmm. supernatural is not real. And then at the end of the episode, she learned her lesson it was like, well, actually, the supernatural is real. And from that moment on, they became her enemy and uh, they accused her of poisoning the minds of kids. Um, And they've been watching over her shoulder ever since. And I think the fact that this police chief who comes and goes as she pleases i think since she seems to be have an issue with bess as well she's kind of in their back pocket so it's just kind of like everything worked against her and ultimately got her here 
Um, I did laugh, have to laugh as well because speaking of Horseshoe Bay's limited resources, the judge was also the same judge that married Nick, or almost married uh, Nick and George, um, <laughs> who is also the same judge in Superman at Lois that Lex Luthor had killed. Um, so uh, we got her judge back. It was nice to see her. But yeah, you're you're right. She was. I thought she was kind of a bit convenient as well because she fit, seemed like she was fully invested in whatever Bess was doing. She was like, let the woman speak and then let her put this big smoke cloud to unearth in the court. Didn't panic, didn't any, uh, didn't do anything. That was and then, intense. Like very much. So. Bravo to the, to the special effects. That was like a once upon a time level mm-hmm. misting. <laughs> and it was very convincing. Yeah. I, I mean, if I had seen that, I would have been like, what's she up yeah. to yeah so i understand because it was like a big production <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> expecting that no um, and it was an it was a nice like show the world the supernatural exists kind of moment of course there is the convenience of everybody else going oh it was only smoke and mirrors you defaced something and like use logic here that could not have shown up by itself the dark painting and the dark truth um so that's why it bothered me that the judge was actually like You've been lying to people. You've been misleading people. We're going to take the historical society off you. And how limited are the resources that she's like, you know what? This is a row between two sets of people. I'm going to take the keys off you and give them to you instead. Right. You know what I mean? I I was like, feels illegal. Yeah. (laughs) Something is amiss in this courtroom. What are the legalities? Carson, please. (laughs) Didn't feel right to me. Like she did, like she was living there. Like, and I know she and Addie were there I guess collecting mm-hmm. her things, and then they had the final standoff with whatever that terrible woman's name is. I don't stand. Yeah, um, I like she could. I I was like hoping that they would like break in and steal everything. <laughs> yeah, something. that would have been nice. Then she would have had nothing to protect. Yeah, I don't know. It's just scary, and I like it's interesting that they are. It seems like they're accusing Bess of being a witch. And I know we have called her witch because it feels like a default but it is an important distinction to make that she is not a witch in the traditional sense she is a keeper so like there's nothing i guess there's really nothing that she can do that hasn't been like learned like i don't know she can't just like you know Mm -hmm. like zap her finger and make something appear like there's like rituals and spells that she's worked on that makes her like not i don't it just feels very much like they're scared of burn the witch burn the witch and it's like she's she's helping you guys you guys probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be alive if Bess hadn't <laughs> stepped in in like season two or three or whenever she started practicing and being a keeper like she's helped the town and you're it, obviously I think again four episodes to go in the show as well um I'm sure we're gonna see the downfall of this court decision mm-hmm. and somebody's gonna realize oh we we need Bess <laughs> she's been yeah. keeping us alive <laughs> i kind of well i i don't think the show ever did bigger sticks than when the title wave hit at the end of season three but i kind of do want to see something like major like big 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 sticks that Bess has to go to the front of the line and use her powers and i know you're right she's not a witch in the traditional sense of the word this is not bewitched and she can't just yeah, she's not make something happen sabrina spellman exactly although i don't um, think sabrina Sp- not netflix sabrina spellman is like was the same as our sitcoms yeah yes right? of course like, there was more effort put into the witchcraft of course yeah not my i'm referring finger. to melissa jonah <laughs> <Yeah, here. laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I would love to see a moment like that where everyone got to see Bess and her glory, which is why it kind of con- confused me last night that we kind of jumped the gun with the big reveal. Everyone knows she can do magic, and yet no one was phased by it. And I'm like, this is supposed to be the whole the supernatural is real versus the censorship of the supernatural isn't real. So does this horrible woman know the supernatural exists that wants to put a lid on it? Everyone's just kind of talking about it as though it's a real thing. And yet a few episodes ago when that man spoke up at the council meeting and claimed the supernatural is real, everybody looked at him like he had two heads. So I just don't know where the on- there is an ongoing conversation in town about censorship and keeping the supernatural in check. But is that because we know it's there or we don't know it's there? I don't know. Maybe that woman is like Temperance or the Moth or something, and <laughs> we'll find something else out about her. <laughs> hit her, hit her, hit her. Um, and then she's literally landed with the new job now, looking after the historical society, which of course creates another antagonist for uh, Bess now to deal with. But um, as for, to go back to the convenient writing, because I feel like we're heading up to the big twist now. We'll talk about that. I didn't like that when they figured out everything and who, what the Sin Eaters' origins and everything. And Nancy was going to go out and she had her big Buffy moment. She stopped and turned around with the crossbow. Let's go kill a sin eater. Nobody went with her other than Ryan. I just didn't buy that. Um, Like, why would Nick say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to set this one out. And Bass, supernatural queen Bass was like, you know what? I'm going to set this one out. Too. Yeah. They you know sat I mean? them out. They put them on the bench so they can learn. Yeah. They needed to, they needed to have the, the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was an awesome reveal. Um, I guess. This is the part where we talk about it. <laughs> Tristan was the sin eater. <laughs> he had that the 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 seashell with the note. I don't. Th- I I really don't. Th- I know they were calling at the last minute to be like, "Don't kill him." The sin eater. It's a person. It's Tristan. Well, I don't think they knew it was Tristan, right? I, no, I don't. Bess and Nick well, didn't. No, no, they didn't. Nancy just found out when she saw the thing. I think. Yeah, which was shocking. Um. I guess not like bravo to the fans that connected those dots and made that theory work. That was the theory that I didn't want to mention a few pods ago because I was like, it just, it seemed so big that I was like, I don't know if I want to, to mention this, but like hats off bravo, who would have thunk it? Um, (laughs) I just don't think that he's going to die. Mm -mm. I, I just don't think that he will. I know they did the poison dart thing. It seemed like it went, in a position that was like above the heart mm-hmm. so i think there's still gonna be some like best they got the stomach pump back too so i'm like all right try but why did she get the stomach pump back i'm going way off track <laughs> <laughs> oh she got it back to give back to the glass okay yeah okay yeah um, but yeah i just don't see tristan officially dying because that would be rough to have nancy kill him yeah exactly and then no one's going to get over that in four episodes no no i i and he's uh he's a nice person we've i know maybe i i mean he technically had the really dark but is he a real um, person so i or did I the, guess like the sin eater just get like reincarnated in him and it wasn't his choice see i we have questions and i i like that that we have very much uh, questions I feel like he's he doesn't know what's happening to him and like the werewolf kind of transformation and then anytime the sin eater summoned it just Happen, overcomes him and then maybe he has to go and do whatever his job have is. you seen the movie red riding hood starring amanda seyfried years ago yes <laughs> i've watched it for the first time recently i've been wanting to see it for like a decade and i finally did it and the ending took me out i like i love this movie it's so good um she's in love with 
that guy who's like her best friend and he becomes the wolf because the spoiler alert the wolf was her dad the whole time mm-hmm. and i guess he like got bitten her her bff and once they find out he like goes away i love when i go on tangents like this and everyone's like what are you talking about <laughs> get to the point um he like goes away for years so that like he can control the wolf and <laughs> at the end it's so funny and like a oh, i love it he the wolf comes back and like you can tell he's like he's controlled the wolf like he controlled the wolf and they just look at each other and the movie ends i love it and i feel like if what if that was like what they were gonna get at like he in the woods he like has the seashell and he's like freaking out but what if he was trying to be like i look scary but like i got it under control and then she hits him with the dart like what if that was what was going on <laughs> he finally did it he finally did it and then she killed him um i i feel like that could i wonder if he's aware of it that's the thing does he black out does it because we we could still like it. his soul could still be in there but he's like fighting to get out yeah i guess kind of well no not like odette because george was very much gone when odette was in control <laughs> I know what you mean. It is. I wish they had more time to play with this because I feel like this will just be a footnote in the major story because they have to start wrapping up now. But I know what you mean. That's it's a very interesting arc. I I would just I would be hilarious if it wasn't Tristan after all, and the creature just happened to lift the seashell on its. Oh, see, past. we did. I didn't even. Think of that. <laughs> oh, you know, like, I like um, that would be hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, but we knew they were going to have to come up with something to, to address the Tristan kind of situation because Nancy was literally telling us how uncomplicated it all is and how they kind of found each other in their trauma. The girl was kind um, of lying, though. She was like, when Nick was asking about it, I was like, who are you convincing? I don't think you're fully convinced <laughs> yeah. that you like him. I was like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is it. This is what we were talking about. The distraction era coming a little later than we thought, but the distraction era is not so... She can't lose herself in it anymore because the thing, the very thing she's trying to run away from all these supernatural entities around her is now right in front of her. Did she just kill it? Did she just kill him? Did she just kill her chance for a little bit of fun? Um, I hope not. We've said that we like Tristan. He doesn't. Yes, he's in the way of the Nancy and A storyline, but that doesn't mean he deserves to die. That doesn't mean he deserves to be a monster. Yeah, and I like um, it would break my heart if it ended up being something like sinister that like Tristan was never actually like a human. Like I know something that made that theory uh something that the fans were looking out for was the 70s episode when he was like looking at his body weird or something and was i I just it would break my heart if tristan was never like human or something and he was like discovering this i don't know it would just be so heartbreaking for nancy's first like opportunity at happiness outside of ace would be some sort of like creature and i don't think i don't know i just don't want it to be like a sinister thing that nancy left to grapple with again like oh i fell for a a dangerous creature that was gonna destroy our town (laughs) like i yeah as like i mean the buffy angel like maybe it could be something interesting to explore not with four episodes to go but again yeah it would like break my heart if we found out that like tristan was never actually like had humanity or like he was just working toward humanity i think he was I don't know. It's so complicated. I don't even know if I'm vocalizing my thoughts accurately, but we'll see where we go with this. Maybe, like you said, I'm like, maybe it's not Tristan. Did that be quite the twist? What if the Sin Eater killed Tristan and stole the seashell? No, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he takes souvenirs from all his victims. <laughs> um, 
it is interesting because like could it be one of the glasses maybe because they were the last ones with the seashell they looked specifically See, at it there's critical you, thinking you know what i mean um so it's, it is interesting it's very interesting because regardless of whether the sin eater died via the arrow if i understand the mythology correctly there is a clock hanging over his head anyway because the creature keeps reincarnating in a new person mm-hmm. is it is that one of the under 30s that never quite made it to 30 is that why they don't make it to 30 because the creature dies and then is reborn in someone else um and if so does that mean tristan now has a clock hanging over his life regardless of whether he just died or not um so, so many, many twists yeah, i so mean many questions yeah they took a lot in in this episode um and i mean i I really liked what they did. I just wish that it moved a bit quicker because I think some of the pacing let it down in general because it was it's a very memorable episode. We'll be talking about this ending now in the next in every single one of our reviews going yeah. forward because it's so pivotal to the story. Okay, real quick, what what was the Ace thing? I feel like as soon as I saw the reveal, I forgot what happened with Ace. Like the last I remember, he had his arms in the sink with the ice, mm-hmm. which I was like, I don't know how he knew to do that but cool and then george was breaking the mug and i was like what was the dead the dead girl he was talking to what my stray thought intrusive thought was this better not be his love interest (laughs) that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking because we don't know who she is now because the whole episode we thought it was the person mia who was burned to death um i was fitted it was burned to death wasn't it i think so um so could which doesn't explain why the ghost is cold he said if you're not mia who are you i definitely knew that was going to come back up because at the fir- first time mia was introduced in the uh, morgue yes went up to the door and it was like off the door of the slab it was like hi mia i miss nice to meet that you that was cute it was such an ace thing He's today. so precious <laughs> <laughs> i was like this is kind of odd but totally in line for s um, so I knew the person's name was going to come back up and then, then he researched her. So I think where we're at at the moment is that the ghost isn't Mia. So who is it? And now they're specific because they remember S said that they're really introduced to him. They're specific to him. And you're right. I do think this seems like his own storyline that he might have to solve. And will that mean he'll connect with the ghost or is she a ghost? Is she trying to reach out from somewhere else and something paranormal has let this happen? Running out of time to tell the story. So I'm really intrigued to see where they go with it. We got Nancy Andes potentially rebounding with Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Horseshoe Bear. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. Before we like wrap up with nancy i did want to commend the addy storyline i thought of it course. was really really important work that they did talking about again another layer of the history of this town and it was the right time to bring her back and it was the right story and i'm glad she got her moment to tell this story about her family incredible work i don't know if i have much more to add i don't want to get too deep in the weeds and talk about something that like is not my place but i really enjoyed Seeing what they did with Abby in this episode, I was glad she came back and I'm glad it was the story. Just want to throw that out there and commend that aspect of the episode because it was really well done. And like we can always count on the show when they do episodes like this in talking about some sort of generational trauma that's very connected to somebody's culture. They handle it with such care and I think that yeah. happened again and it was excellent. Completely agree. And I'm glad that they gave Addy that platform and that uh, chance to shine as well. And her because, parents. Of course, because I feel like in general, the show hasn't really known what to do, do with the character when she was such a big pivotal part of season three. So it's really nice to see her come back in such an important way, like you said, and to get that kind of spotlight. And also then just to, also to like explore the relationship between her and Bess a little bit more, which has kind of been 
forgotten about until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It was the right time to bring her back. And she really, her and her family really got to shine in this episode, which was one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah. Well, four episodes left. I don't know what they have in store for us. Different in a different way than Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do I do trust the show will end very, very well. But yes, you, you, I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Um, and that was the episode got there in the end. We're, we're into the final quarter now and I can't wait to see what they do. You know, I will throw this fan theory that I saw uh, last night that maybe Tristan died to break the curse for Nancy and Ace. I'll throw that out there because I was like, that's interesting. That would be an interesting Maybe convenient. Um, I don't know if the Sin Eater dying for the Sins and also Nancy and Ace would be, I don't know how that would, you know, play out. But I saw that theory and I was like, you know, they were onto something with Tristan. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're onto something again. But I think it's it's time to circle back to the curse now that we got to the Sin Eater stuff. I think four episodes to go. We're in the last last chunk of the thirds before the series finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are they going to do with that? Um, I agree. Maybe this could be like a once upon a time kind of breaking the curse kind of moment. Uh, it has to be one big pivotal event and then all undo all the magic in the town. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the final chapter of Nancy. I don't believe we have anything else to talk about from this episode. Have we covered everything from Horseshoe Bay? I think so. Every stone is unturned, hopefully. on that note um, thanks for everyone for listening we are the CW Spiral I'm Michael and I'm Reem bye